Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Only I didn't say fudge. And for gosh sake, watch your language. Watch your profanity. Right, I'm sorry. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you said to yourself, Hey, let's take voting and make it worse. What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, January 29th, 2016, Blame Iowa edition of the show, where we talk about the Iowa caucuses and just how really fucking stupid they are. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you in part by Eddie's Convoluted Solutions. If you want to make a simple thing just really fucking hard, Eddie's Convoluted Solutions. We do needless complications, arcane regulations, and pointless deviations to any personal, business, or political process you need bogged down. Our team of lawyers, PR people, and Eddie, an attractable 87-year-old man who hates everything, will completely derail your straightforward event. If your event is mandatory and you want to keep out the riffraff, Eddie's Convoluted Solutions will make it so hard no one will participate. We guarantee it. If you'd like to sponsor the show yourself, you're going to need to file a Form 55A on the third Thursday of every odd month, submit seven forms of identification, and a urine sample to our office in Zaire between the hours of 3.43 and 3.44 a.m. Yep. You guessed it, we use Eddie's too. But Mr. Dent, the plans have been available in the planning office for the last nine months. Oh, yes. Well, of course, as soon as I heard, I went straight round to see them. You hadn't exactly gone out of your way to call much attention to them, had you? Like telling anybody or anything. But the plans were on display. On display? I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights are probably gone. So had the stairs. But you did see the notice, didn't you? Oh, yes. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign outside the door saying, Beware of the leopard. You know, the bard once said, I got 99 problems, but the Iowa caucus, it's one. Which is a strange thing for him to say, but I gotta be honest, Frank was a shitty bard. And who the fuck plays a bard anyway? It's like the dumbest character in all of D&D. If you ask me, what are you gonna do? Your whole party is being eaten by a red fucking dragon, and you're off strumming your lute? Nerd! Nerd! Sorry. Anyway, this coming Monday, the good people of Iowa, population... Uh, 3,107,000 are roughly the number of people who commute into Midtown from New Jersey on a given week- weekday, gather to be the first in the nation to cast their votes in the presidential primary. Well, not all 3 million of them. Uh, barely even like a fraction of them, because Iowa doesn't have a primary election. They have what is called a caucus. What the hell is that? Yeah, okay, that's a good question. I guess I should try to explain what a caucus is. Okay, a caucus is a... It's... Okay, well, it comes from the Greek word Caucasian, meaning white people. Um, And uh, I guess the best way to say a caucus is a group of white people who uh, exert an undue influence on a national election. I, I'm sorry, I'm actually being told that's not correct, that a caucus is a political gathering in which the residents of a geographic area all gather at a specific location and specific time, sit in a room, 
often with some truly horrible casseroles. Dear God, what is that thing? It's uh, Edna Perkle's tuna lime casserole, and you should stay the hell away from it. Once someone has taken Edna's tuna lime casserole and hidden it behind a podium, a precinct captain, or sometimes even the candidate themselves, can get up to address the caucus in order to sway their votes. And after being harangued by said precinct captain for a while, the people write their name on a slip of paper and they hand it over and all those votes are tallied and a winner is chosen in the stoop for the student council president. Well, that's what it sounds like to me anyway. And that process is just on the Republican sides, which strangely is much less complicated than the Democrats, where the votes are segregated by candidates and there's a percentage threshold. Fuck, I've read the rules to the Democratic caucus three times, and I don't fucking understand how it works in the least. And this is not, however, taking into account the previous numbers of delegates and how they were appropriated in the previous two elections and not the voters in the precincts. I mean... That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Exactly. It's like the entire process is designed to be as intentionally obfuscating as humanly possible by the local political parties who set them up. And that's not even plausible, right? Never mind. The local party apparatchik has this incredible control over the outcome of the vote. Hell, the Democrats don't even allow a secret ballot. And do you know how important something like this in in a tiny place like Iowa? I mean, think about your office or our office. It's like how we have to take a secret ballot when we order lunch. Because when we do this, we always know that it's Gavin who wants to order from the shitty places, okay? Gavin, no one wants blimpies. It sucks. And you know what? Being called the office Lutz, not a compliment. Oh, no. Now, just imagine, say, you're Jebediah in Iowa who wants to vote for Bernie Sanders, but the party boss in your town is for Hillary, and they're all for Hillary. Come on, it's fucking Iowa. You know that you're not going to be able to vote for Hillary because you got to go along to get along. There's like eight people in your town. So getting along is kind of necessary. Caucuses are kind of this holdover from the, quote, good old days, unquote, of American politics, when neighbors would gather together and listen to stunt speeches, drink corn liquor, and then head down to burn the farm of the local Negro family. Exactly. Life got dark. And in those days, when families belonged to a political party, that party did not change. If Grandpa Zebediah voted for Rutherford B. Hayes, then by God, you were going to vote for Calvin Coolidge. The only time that you could ever change parties if you were kicked out of the family for bastardry. And the caucuses predate even the American political system, even our independence. It was how the colonies gathered together once upon a time to decide who was going to be a witch. And look, I'm not saying that they're a bad way to decide who is going to run Northwest Frog Crotch Louisiana, population 17, if Luann's baby is born before Election Day, but as a method for choosing the leader of the free world whose actions are going to impact 330 million people at best-case scenario, 7-plus billion in worse. It's about as relevant as strange women lying about in ponds distributing swords. So why does this archaic, easily biased, and thoroughly decrepit system persist in our nation's first tentative steps towards choosing a president? Well, there there are two schools of thought. There's the school that says that the traditional grounded people of Iowa, rooted in their no-nonsense Midwestern values, reflect a normative influence on American politics, stripping them of the wild swings, polarizing the extremes of the more liberal coast. That is one big pile of shit. 
And then there's the other school, which holds that it's a great way for the two parties to keep a stranglehold on who is nominated for the presidency. Unfortunately, this theory, long the predominant, is now widely considered equally dubious since the arrival of the spoiler candidates, who've been generally considered... Oh, a bullshit artist! ...who have taken a giant dump on the party's protected reserves like an angry man denied a restroom in a Manhattan Starbucks. Now, Iowa matters on a national scale because, um, uh, we say it does? And and look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Iowa. I don't want our one listener in Iowa to think I'm shitting on your state. Politically, you've got a lot going for you. I mean, you guys don't even fuck around with your congressional districts to keep incumbents in office. You're pretty evenly split Democrat-Republican. Hell, you guys have the top creative writing MFA in the nation, one that I would give both nuts and my asshole to attend. Add that to some awesome state fairs featuring sculptures made of butter. I mean, what is not to love? So, Iowa, I'm a booster. The problem is, Iowa is about 3% black, 5% Latino, I think they have an Asian, and <laughs> those are just way less than the national averages. Though, don't get me started on New Hampshire, which makes Iowa look like fucking Castro in San Francisco, but that's a show for next week. Now, Iowa also contains slightly less than 1% of the United States population, and based on their economy, it's mostly agricultural. So when you look at Iowa compared to the rest of the country... Oh my god, it's like we have so much in common. I'm not saying Iowa's bad for any of those reasons. I'm just saying that we've got nothing in common. So if we were like to go out on a date, you would sit there being like eating like pickles pig's feet and I would be eating quinoa. And we wouldn't have anything to talk about, and it would be really awkward. So why is it, then, that this white-bed, corn-growing state with six electoral votes and a dazzling selection of small-town diners, at least according to the news footage I see of candidates eating something covered in gravy, so incredibly outsized in our national politics? Very good pig country! Well, yes, the strategic bacon reserve aside, I'm still trying to put it together in my head. On the Democratic side, the race is a decent prediction of the nominee, except for 92 when some doofus named Tom Harkin won. God, there's a guy who must be pissed. And on the Republican side, (laughs) it's not even close. Iowa got it right once in 1980, and that was first Bush. Did I blow that? Um, You know, I could fact check that, but, um, you know, the guys have already left and it's just me. And this is, of course, only in contested years. Hell, in the last two cycles, the winners in Iowa were Mike Huckabee, whose qualifications for being president were being the Republican anti-particle of Bill Clinton, and, of course, perennial favorite Rick Santorum, whose qualifications for the office of of president is solely limited to an excuse for me to play that disgusting drop, which I figure this is the last time for four years that I'm going to be able to do it. Now, this year, our Republican friends in Iowa stand ready to choose a deranged, racist warmonger who would pull the country in a swirling hellstorm of idiocy and fear. Well, I don't like the sound of that. The only thing that remains to be seen is if that deranged racist's last name is Trump or Cruz. None of this, however, gives us the answer as to why a state whose sole form of diversion from the plodding routine of watching corn grow is chasing cow molesters out of the pasture. Too mean. 
Sorry. Is such a three-ring fucking circus leading up to the presidential election. Now, obviously, I'm not a political scientist or a politician, but if I were to just spitball some ideas, I think I might come up with something that sounds vaguely like this. This is CNN. It's possible that Iowa doesn't really matter and that it's only conflated to give our endless churn of 24 hours news something to fill those endless moments of drivel between our national mass shooting pastime. I mean, really, I said earlier the economy of Iowa is mostly agriculture, but I strongly suspect the state budgets for increased revenues off hotel taxes, fast food sales, and bars from all the reporters that pour into the state chasing the 600 candidates that run for office every four years. And by any logical metric, Iowa should not be critical to the electoral process. I mean, for God's sakes, they still talk about corn subsidies as if they meant something. Is this 1992? Should I be listening to Right Said Fred right now? I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave Actually, yes. Yes, it does. But I can wait till after the show is over. Fucking corn subsidies. They're talking about that in Iowa right now. 16 years into the 21st century, when we are to be concentrated on wind and solar, when we should be looking towards hydrogen and renewables and fucking fusion drives. We're talking about a farm subsidy for a fuel substitute that never made a difference and was only created to get votes in places like Iowa. So we've got Iowa, too small, too rural, too white, to even come close to reflecting the America the jackoffs that are running for office are pretending to represent. Hell, I the Iowa caucus doesn't even accurately represent Iowa. The voters... Well, not voters, but delegate representatives must be physically present to have their delegate representation counted. There are no absentee ballots, so if you have a night job or the tractor broke down on the back 40, you had to walk back to the farmhouse and don't make it to the caucus, fuck you, you're out. This is the first year, 2016, that the military, you know the people that are supposed to be defending our democracy, could participate via video link. 2016! So your average Iowa caucus voter is very white, very middle class. You know, the kind of people who have jobs that get off at 5 or 5.30 p.m. This leaves out the cashiers at the Walmart, the chicken pluckers at the Tyson plant, the cops, the firemen, the nurses, the doctors, the janitors, the street sweepers, gas station attendants, Merle down at the stop and shop who always let you buy beer without an ID. You know, the kind of people someone like Sarah Palin would probably call real Americans so long as they're white and which in Iowa, they are, and they don't get a vote. The idea of Iowa being at all relevant to who actually gets to run the country is equivalent to deciding who wins the Super Bowl on the results of the first kickoff. Broncos elect to receive, there's the kick. It's high and long, it looks like Bolin is under it in the end zone. He's taking a knee, and the Denver Broncos win Super Bowl 50! Stay tuned for six hours of uninterrupted commercials. Football fans, get ready for the battle of the century. As unbeaten Budweiser takes on an undefeated Bud Light. It's Bud versus Bud Light in Bud Bowl 1. Even the argument 
that the Iowa caucus represents some purer form of American politics just doesn't hold water to me. Sorry, John Dickerson, you know I love you. Because even if the candidates are out glad-handing and pressing flesh with real voters, those voters are the people who have the time and money to head down to Dickey's Grub Shack and Bankston, population 25, or the same number of people sharing a Williamsburg apartment... I'm damn sure their concerns have fuck all to do with what people are worried about in Montgomery, Alabama, or Saginaw, Michigan, or Altoona, Pennsylvania, who will only see a candidate on a commercial or in a debate if they're lucky. We aren't a caucus nation. We're too big, too diverse, and too busy for a caucus, so let's stop doing them. Really, I mean... Admit it, our entire primary system is fucked up. It's a shit show of money and political machinations, which is ironic considering that the primary system was intended to take the power of back rooms and put it in the hands of the people. I find that hard to believe. No, really. Before the primary system, the state party leaders would just all gather together and decide who was going to get the delegates from their state based on how much money or what blackmail material each candidate had on the party bosses. So the primary system was created to give the voters a voice. So now, instead of the party bosses deciding who's the nominee, it's the... uh, well, it's the party bosses and the big money donors who make the decision. And you could see how much more fair that actually is. So if we're going to just say fuck it and let the money decide, can we stop messing around and just do it all in one day? In March of every election year, we hold one big national primary. Let the richest candidate win and then slap a campaign commercial and election news moratorium on everything until, say, the end of July. It won't change our political system one bit, but at least we can enjoy a pleasant spring without the same fucking five commercials played 50,000 times a minute over an entire fucking year. It's not much, but hey. And I think even in a fake democracy, people ought to get what they want once in a while just to feed this illusion that they're really in charge. That is it for our show this week. We want to thank the band Hypnostate for providing the music and the show over You can find them on jamindoke.com. We want to tell you, the American voter, that we believe in you and want you to believe in us. We understand what Avoca needs, and we need you to Avoca to vote for us on iTunes and Stitcher. You, Barn City, can be the change you seek by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. That's how you let the voters over in Council Bluffs know about us. You can hear us talk about Corn Subsidies Dune on Twitter and Fertile and Gilbertville can find us at the show name on Facebook. Huxley finds every show at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. And finally, for me, Dave Bledsoe, and all the other fictional caucus delegates, we want to say times have changed, the country's getting worse, won't obey the party bosses and put the party first. Should we blame the establishment or blame the 1%? For our shitty government? No! Blame Iowa! Blame Iowa! Since their caucus first, they really are the worst. Blame Iowa! Blame Iowa! God, I really reeked for this, and I feel like that I just fell incredibly short. It seemed like such a good idea.
Seltzer Kings podcast.